Hello and welcome back to another episode of the IFC's When Destiny Calls. My name is James Bollins. We've got a great episode for you. We join Dr. Hab Al Samurai and Christy Foster again, this time with special guest Lance Allred, going over the magician's archetype. It's a great discussion. We can't wait for you to hear. If you enjoy the IFC's When Destiny Calls podcast and want to support, make sure to rate the podcast five stars on iTunes and review your podcast. So without any further ado, Dr. Al Samurai, take it away. Welcome back to another episode of The Magician's Call. I am Dr. Wahab Al-Samurai. With me today, as always, Lance Allred. And today we have a special guest, Christy Foster, is joining us from uh, When Destiny Calls podcast. So we're having a joint podcast today. Um, Lance, you want to say hello to everybody? Hello, everybody. It's good to be back, and thanks for letting us take the break off, and let's see how season two flows, you know? I'm excited to see what little truths we continually uncover as we dive into the pros of stream of consciousness. <laughs> Thank you, Lance. Christy, um, me and you do When Destiny Calls, so this is, uh, so we're going to call this kind of like a, a joint pod between sure. When Destiny Calls and When... Uh, the magician's call? How yeah, I think it's, they they go well together, mm-hmm. number one, especially when we're talking about um, how we intertwined what Lance was saying with consciousness. It, it all tends to blend together. Mm. And the magician is, I'm excited to talk about it because the language of the magician is specific uh, between the three of us, especially, but allowing other people to understand it in a different way will be helpful. Mm. Lance, you want to start us off? You, you have a thought, an idea? or Well, you know, it's, we had our 10-week-long um, course about the archetypes in the world around us. And it was, I would say for myself, I learned a lot more than I thought I was going to learn about different archetypes and even for me finding some peace and reconciliation with the lover archetype um and i i was pleasantly surprised how settled in and comfortable i felt with the lover archetype once i actually just sat down and spent some time with it and seeing it for what it is and not trying to make it fit into the magician's world. That's just one thing for me that really stands out among many other things that um, was educational for me. And that's the great thing, as you know, about facilitation. If you really are facilitating, you're still setting yourself up as a student to learn more as you're teaching. I think about... uh... When you say peace and reconciliation, it sounds like you were at war with the lover archetype. I can see why. I mean, <laughs> they, they are not to be trusted for sure. Just kidding, people. Um, um, I think that when we, when we talk about archetypes, it's always interesting what the, um, how the magician's view of the other archetypes is. It's always in how much they're not doing or how much they need to do. <laughs> so yeah. this is very interesting when you think about it. It is. Um, 
you know, the magician, we have a million things going on inside of our head that we see, oh, if only they would do this, only if only they would do this, then we'd have this, and it would be so much easier by now, because again, the magician loves efficiency. And when we get the lover archetype and the warrior archetypes just wandering around like stray cats, it can be quite infuriating. Um, and so being able to take a step back and say, actually, I understand the necessity of their programming and what they are able to bring into the world. Ooh. That the lover allows you to just sit down for a moment and just soak it all in Ooh. and just let yourself be for a minute. Ooh. And that's something that does not come naturally to me. And so being able to sit with uh, someone like George or whatnot and just also feel all the things that he's seen too. Just because he might not be seeing it always with an engineering eye Ooh. does not mean that he isn't absolutely experiencing it and feeling it and processing it in his own very unique and personal way. And that was a very profound thing for me to feel and develop empathy and connection with the lover archetype. And I haven't always been cool with the lover archetype, but when you as an old story would say, when you've been betrayed by a lover archetype, ben as an old story, it hurts. And, and so being able to move out of the vilification narrative of the lover and just still be able to see, okay, they're not flippantly disregarding life is throwing at them. They're actually seeing it in a very powerful way themselves. Well, and that's the best part about the archetype class that I noticed, Lance, was how we see the strengths in every archetype mm -hmm. and, and what they offer to, to the other archetypes, really, because each one of them, I think that's the beauty of it is they're different and the different strengths are really what... Um, what makes that human being so special, like George, for example, um, to be in his presence as lover archetype is just, it's a joyful experience. And yeah, I, I agree with you, Lance. It's, I think our experience kind of can shadow what the true archetype is because we're referencing it from our space instead of where they're at and our experience of the archetype. We certainly put different lenses on based think, on what we've been with them. I think the lover archetype is um, for the magician is uh, complicated because um, the archetype, the lover archetype uses magic, but they use magic to um, blind. <laughs> okay, uh, there goes my bias. Um, blind the other person to the reality of what's going on. No, um, I'm, they, they, they know how to seduce, and that's a magical spell. Yeah. Well, it's the seduction, and it's the idea that the love they give is beyond any type of love. So yeah. that's the seduction. The seduction, the seduction is they hold a secret 
And so it's very easily, it, you're very easily seduced by that idea because it's like, wow, you know, this is, this feels really cool. The problem is there's a, like a, another side of it. They can drop you in the same way. <laughs> they have no, they have no qualms about uh, falling in and out of love. It's, uh, it's like when the magician uh, goes from reality to reality. Um, the lover will make a sound like you are the endless love and the, it turns out that you actually are not that there are several variations of endless love across time for them and you're just one of the variations and i think right. that's well i think that's uh, upsetting i think that's i think you touched on a profound parallel there that as the magician is able to vacillate between dimension and other dimension, uh, the other world would then come back to this reality and we're able to like hold them all in our head at the same time. The lover is very much able to do that um, with their own uh, individual dynamics and the many dynamics they have with other people at the same time. And it could be argued that they really do believe that they are in love and they feel it. But mm. then, as you say, a day or two later, it could be, okay, it's done. I no longer need that and I drop it. Um, but the parallel of skills there that you tapped into, the ability to vacillate back and forth very quickly um, between dynamics, uh, I think is profound. Yeah, and I think I think it causes a lot of chaos for people who that's, are entangled with. That's a good word. <laughs> because it's like one day everything is fine, the next day is I don't think I love you anymore. <laughs> so it's always it's always chaos. And the magicians, I I think the magician in general has a um, deep disdain for disloyalty and. Uh, mm. Yeah. what they see as disloyalty let me let me clarify that because the magician's yeah. idea of loyalty is is very strange their idea of loyalty is that um, um you say what you mean yeah words have power because a magician if we cast spells words intentions have power yeah so say and what it's... you mean and the lover doesn't yeah. no which is where the confusion comes in. The confusion and why the magician would feel this deceitful and dishonest and out of integrity. Whereas yeah. for the lover, it's, hey, I mean, it was fun and I'm here to experience life in its fullness. Yeah. And the magician is rolling his eyes because the magician is standing in the middle holding the balance of the chaos. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. oh, this lover is just adding more chaos. I mean, God, come on, I already got enough chaos on my plate. Why are you messing things up even further? And so that's where I think a lot of the conflict is. <laughs> with all that being said, I appreciated being able to sit with the lover, with George, and see that, yes, he has broken a lot of hearts, but he's also healed a lot of hearts, too, in his travels. Yeah. I own him for that. Ooh. Well, Don Juan, in the stories of Don Juan, um, would set up his uh, consorts with very rich um, suitors, 
so they would be taken care of. Um, even though they only loved Don Juan and they didn't want anybody else, but you know, there was only one Don Juan and there was a lot of them. So that's what he did. So he had a lot of mistresses who only loved Don Juan, but they were married to very rich um, consorts, um, men or lovers or... So it's interesting that even in history, um, the lover has created chaos. Um, Hera was, uh, Hera's wrath on uh, humanity was a lot because of the lovers, um, because of Zeus falling for them and coming to seduce them. Um, not that Zeus wasn't to blame, but Hera couldn't do much about Zeus, so she took it out onto the lovers. So the lovers also been cursed through mythology, um, the lover's curse, which is never finding the true love of your life. And if you found them, uh, something would happen to them and they would cease to exist. But there's also something fascinating too, that there's so many um, parables and um, stories of, gosh, it's escaping. What's it called when it's a story that's a warning? Um, not a fable, but premonition. Uh, uh, premonition. It's I forget um, the exact wording, but uh, it'll come to me. But there's so many um, stories that show okay that warn the lover against dangerous behavior, against uh, light, um, seductive behavior. That with all the punishment that is exacted on the lover with all the warnings we get from st stories of history and mythology, it's interesting to see that the lover is still going in full force. And it's like, okay, well, this doesn't really apply to me, that I am the exception to the rule. And I would say possibly more even than the warrior, I think the lover archetype continually believes is the exception to the rule. Well, and that's that's a, that would be called the magician's bias. <laughs> yes because it's there it is there um but what i'm getting at is we have spoken and we know a lot of people who do have a lover archetype mm -hmm. and going back through my uh history of you know the, the fables and the parables and whatnot it just seemed like there's a lot more warning um of you know cautionary messages. tale cautionary tale thank you mm. killing me cautionary <laughs> tales against the lover archetype Ooh. than any other archetype you didn't know enough cautionary tales that's why you fell mm. yeah <laughs> i think you would have <laughs> fell anyway dr the hop <laughs> i'm pretty sure that's the case i just i think it's a pretty strong uh pull Ooh. yeah there's a lot of power behind a lover yeah when yeah. they when they attach or want to be with someone. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they move arrows, right? So yeah. arrows is being moved, so you feel good. So even, even when they're being um, they're themselves, even when they're being kind of um, not really engaged, mm -hmm. even when they're not really engaged, they make you feel good. 
They're like, oh, yeah. good to see you. How are you? I miss you so much. It's all bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. We know that, but it still feels good. It feels good. It's like, you know, they, the atmosphere that when they walk into a room, the atmosphere changes like, oh, she's so pretty or he's, he's so good looking and he's so, he tells such great stories and suddenly, you know, but I, I think it's also magician jealousy. <laughs> I was going to say, I hear a little shadow in that. <laughs> so, um, the, so it's just, I, I think this is, I think the interesting part of it, Lance, is that um, when we're moving uh, within the archetype, uh, we notice these differences and they're more acute to us mm-hmm. than when we're not moving in the archetype. Do you want to do you want to explain that to people a little bit of what that means? Or Christy, you could even um, sure. if you want to go. Go, Christy. Mm. Well, what what I think of is when we're moving in the archetype that we are able to still. Not only do we see the lover, mm. so we recognize it, and we mm. recognize it in ourselves. Because they're not separate from us. It almost sounds like as we're speaking that um, because we're a magician, we're not lover. And I think when we move within the archetype and start to integrate more, we can enjoy the lover within ourselves and in other people. We're starting to recognize more pieces of ourselves in others with the lover archetype since that's what we're speaking about. Yes, I, I would agree with that, that we all have all the archetypes within us. But again, astrologically and environmentally and experiential wise, we have more dominant or prominent archetypes that we lean into. Yeah. That being said, we all have the lover within us. We all have the warrior. We all have the king or the Ooh. monarch. Yeah. And once we actually spend time developing those other muscles, so to speak, as Ooh. you say, we're starting to see similarities, but also acute differences and learning to not judge it as you sit within yourself and say, why would I need that skill of being able to seduce and then possibly flitter away as quickly as I could? Maybe you have found yourself in a toxic uh, work relationship and you have to turn on the charm so that they'll get you uh, they'll release you in a peaceful way so you then can flip mm-hmm. away. Um, that would be a necessary skill to have. And so I agree with that assessment. Ooh. I think it's it's the embodiment of the archetypal energy. And I think the irritation is the embodiment of the energy. The energy um, causes friction. So it causes friction with the magician archetype the energy of the magician and the energy of the lover have friction. So because they're on similar planes and they use similar ways of perceiving and connecting um, for different reasons, for different um, goals, for different aims. Well, the magician is continually trying to resolve or um, find the answer to the riddle of what existence is and why it is the way it is. Um, The lover is like, um, 
just have fun. (laughs) So then the lover irritates you. That's the energy that irritates. Uh, It's like, it it, it looks at you like, oh, you're taking shit too seriously. Hmm. so is that a trait of a magician then yeah you know they get they get bogged down sometimes in their crap they 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 find an idea or a concept or um a cause and they overthink it i think what one of the one of the things and i would love to hear your ideas both of you one of the things the magician does continuously is get bogged down with their own idea of how things should work and then they like snap out of it and kind of move forward and like okay (laughs) i'm done with this i would agree Um, with that there's one there's the immediate solution problem they're trying to find a solution to but then there's always lingering in the back the existential problem uh what the hell are we even doing here yeah Mm-hmm. And so trying to live in this dimension plus the dimension of your mind that's yeah. problem solving yeah. and then in the higher dimension of cosmic, mm-hmm. I would say there's so much going on and the lover just says, hey, just have a drink. And let's just enjoy this. <laughs> let's have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Why, why are you so worried? You know, take a load off. Tell me your worries. It's not a big deal. Life is fun. You know, have you thought of taking a vacation somewhere? Have you thought of, you know, have you have you been to this new exhibit? I love this new exhibit. It, it, and I, I listen to them sometimes. I'm like looking at them like, no. <laughs> well, let's impulsively just catch a flight to Europe and let's just go. Oh, yeah. Let's, yeah. yeah, that is. Yeah, that. let's just have some dinner in Paris. It's like, yeah. But not with you, <laughs> right, Lance? Uh, that would that would be fair. that was and, you know that was my past. <laughs> it, it's really interesting, guys. I'm not gonna lie. It's Ooh. I do I do still find whether it's the public speaking career or the past basketball career, I still do have a lot of lover archetypal feminine energy coming into the field and they are always disappointed when they see i'm not the type that it's just going to suddenly drop everything and take of the paris for a fun weekend they're disappointed Um, that you are not under their spell yeah that's what that is that's what they're disappointed about. <laughs> but you're right it's not you won't drop things you won't yeah. you know it's yeah. like yeah I'm not well their disappointment is that you're not enjoying this the seduction for them the way they put it is that the seduction is the most fun of the ride yeah. the rest of it is well great. it is fun until it's over right. well it's yeah it's very fun yeah, for them, it's not really over. It just moves in a different direction. For you, it's over. For me, it's over, <laughs> yes. But the, the way they see it, it's like, for you, it's over. For me, I continue. I, yeah. I will always remember you. That's what they would say. Yeah. You will always be a part of my heart. Yeah, uh, play the Sarah McLaughlin song and move on. It's beautiful. Let's cry oh, yeah. and hug, and then we move on with our lives in yeah. a beautiful way. Yeah. We'll, we'll always be friends. Yeah. Yeah. And the magician says, ain't nobody got time for that. 
yeah then that goes back into the serious part yeah the other aspect is the magician is terrible at love they're they're so clumsy they fall over themselves when they discover that they that they're in deep they access the lover but they despise this part. So when they access it, it's always kind of, what's it, clumsy. Yeah. Because they don't like the way it makes people swoon. Like, I use real magic. You, you fool people. And that's, and that's what um, I think sets off the idea the archetypal this is what happens when we have um archetypal confrontation Mm -hmm. the archetypal confrontation is about the way the energy moves their energy moves in a certain way our energy does not like the way it moves Mm -hmm. (laughs) is it because we don't trust it Yes, the magician doesn't yeah. trust anything anyway. They're already paranoid. This is a kind of side issue. Um, but I think you touched on an important thing, Lahab, that I don't want to say this in an arrogant way, but as a magician, I think is, okay, I'm starting to feel feelings and I want to lean into it. But then when you see people almost acting like they're drunk and they're in love, but drunk in love, I think we see that it's a spell. Yes. Yeah. Some part of a subconsciously sees this as a spell and, and we evil is not sustainable. Yeah. But it also, we see it as evil. Mm. We see Why is that? that. Because that. it's not under their control. They have no control over it. They're spellbound to this person, but they have no control over it. And if this person drops them and their world shatters and the spell is broken, the other person is not hurt by it. So hmm. for the magician, it's deception. Yeah, I would say whenever I try to meet him at the level, I feel like I'm cosplaying. Yeah. If that makes any sense. It's makes not sense to, it makes perfect sense to me, Lance. But when, um, yeah, when someone is like, oh, we need to go through these motions again. We need to recreate all these steps. That means we're falling in love. I just see this feels like a skit. Yes. It kind of is, yes. Yeah. But that's breaking the le- that's breaking the lover's energy. And when you break the lover's energy, um, the lover turns to despair. They become very sad. Um, because you're not falling under the spell. So they, they fall into despair, they fall into sadness. This is deeply hurtful. Or scorned. Or they, um, well, right. yeah, it also seems deceptive, but because yeah. they, they rebound from it so quickly. But oh, it's like, you hurt me so much. I can't believe you would hurt me this mm. way. Why would you hurt me this way? You know I love you. Everything that I do for you. And then it's like this whole spiel of how, how you've betrayed the love that they poured into your bank account and into you for your entire existence, although you've known them for a month. Two weeks. Uh, the universe Something wanted like this together, though. Overnight, so, you know, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's just... <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I have little things that I do. One, recognizing patterns, but also little things that I poke 
uh, to get them to kind of spiral out. And I can say, ah, yeah, they were just trying to seduce. Um, but no, we've been, be we've been beating up on the lover for a bit, but I know Christy's married to a warrior. Ooh. And I would like to not put the lover magician dynamic on the shelf, but keep it right here mm -hmm. and dive into the relationship between a magician and a warrior Ooh. and how that love dynamic works compared to the lover magician and see some parallels, but also again, acute differences. I like the expansion. Christy, what do you think? The warrior? Um, well, from what it was to what it is, is very different. Let me say that first. Uh, Explain that. I, well, what it was, yeah. so 20 years ago-ish, um, the, I think me being around warrior archetype, my husband, I was certainly drawn to that archetype Ooh, because of my experience with my own family and what I thought a man should be and should look like and um, protection. I had that whole architecture already built for me. And I do think I was naturally attracted to that. Ooh. And 20 years today, what I realize is um, it worked both ways. I also think that uh, his black and white thinking was attracted to my chaos and my ability to uh, create whatever it is I decided to create because he doesn't do that. It, we're so different in how we experience uh, creativity, how we experience love. And it definitely has its opposite, um, polar opposites. And what we've been able to do and how we continue to work together is um, accept that part in each of us. Because it's, it's been a struggle to accept how different we are. And can we make this work? And can we raise children together as a warrior and a magician? That's very different too. In what a warrior would say versus what I would say. I really enjoyed how you said the black and white thinking and your chaos. What's interesting about the warrior is the warrior is very clear. There's, there's mm -hmm. one side or the other side. There's no in between. Never. And this drives them crazy about the magician. Yes, it does. They want them to take sides. They always want to take them aside. And the magician is always like, well, I could see the point of view of where they're coming from. And, and that, that to the warrior is always um, deceptive. But that's a good thing. I, uh, the, I like how you said chaos, but yes, to the warrior, it would be chaos. But yes. to the magician, this is my reality. This is my no, experience. normal existence. Yeah. Yeah. This, Every this, day. The unknown, the gray area, and all of the moving parts of a never ending, continually changing arena. Mm -hmm. That there's so many nuances here that we actually don't, once as you get older and older, you become less overwhelmed by it, that you yeah. see, okay, this just is what is. And so to have that to someone like a warrior, that would seem chaos, but to us, it's just, it just is. Yeah. To me, it's more, 
the older I get, the more comfortable I am in it. Right. And I really appreciate when I hear myself saying I'm bored, that that element is missing. Mm. Well, that's and a huge thing also, about magician, boredom. Yeah. Huge. I've, I've noticed that since I've met you, Dr. Lahaba, even I didn't realize that was a thing yeah. about the magician. I see in my life, though, how important it is for me to not be bored. Yeah. Well, it's just mystifying, though. Rates. Uh, sorry to interrupt you, but bored. No, go ahead. Bored to the warrior or the lover is I need to go out and go skydiving or do something fun like rock climbing and have all of these thrills. The magician is I'm bored. My brain is not seeing all of these fun little moving parts that I can possibly tinker with. I see only this, okay. Um, let's go on a hike and we got to the top of the mountain. Yay. Now let's walk back down again. Whereas I appreciate that my body got exercise, but was I really even solving or tinkering with anything? So yes, I think that's, I think it's fun to define what is bored. Everyone assumes bored is the same thing, but mm. being bored is very different experience between the archetypes. To me, being bored is not being challenged. I really prefer to be challenged and probably a, that's why I love what I do. Cause it's a, it's a living puzzle piece mm. trying to put them together. And I thoroughly enjoy that. And when I don't have it, that's where boredom sets in. Mm. And I think also some depression can set in if I get bored. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a low grade kind of it, it's, I think it, what happens is the, the magician starts to, starts to feel like um, it's meaningless. Absolutely. That, that's what's boredom to them. It's like, it's like, this is all a game and this game is gonna end and it's gonna end badly. They become very, uh, what, what's the word? Um, Ennui, melancholy. De detrim detrimental, uh, destructive. They, they, the idea that everything doesn't have meaning they they go from everything mm -hmm. has meaning to nothing has meaning and that's the that's the swing but to get back to the warrior i think one of the things about the warrior is that the magician sees the warrior as um as noble or clean as um non-solid or non-deceptive or um, that's why the magician always has uh, warriors around. There's a simplicity and a predictability to the warrior that yeah. we do appreciate. Simplicity and predictability. I love those words because that's exactly what happens with the magician's idea of what they need protection from. But also we can count on them. That yes. I know if I ask them to be here, they'll be here. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's an important dynamic and relationship that the warriors and the magician have uh, from times of old. And you always have the fantasy stories where there's a warrior walking with a magician. Yeah. The magician never goes by itself. It always has yeah. a warrior or a sidekick with them to protect them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think archetypally speaking, that's very important. And um, speaking of boring, like uh, as a magician, uh, as a basketball player, I clashed with so many coaches because they were like, a center means you will pick 
at the top of the screen, set a screen, and you will roll, pick and roll underneath the basket every single time. Ooh. A magician in me says that is predictable and that's boring. And it's I'm very easy to go. Boring guard. and it doesn't really achieve anything. It's it like you anything. are predictable and your play style is predictable and your movement's predictable. And that drives, yeah. Is, yeah that that drives is what crazy. a center does. I'm like, well, a center can also do other things and do that same thing, but do lots of same things at the same time. So mm -hmm. I am the center that won a horse trophy, an NBA All-Star Weekend because I am the center, the magician that says, all right, let's try these weird quirky shots and let's entertain myself and keep it fresh. But I think that's important to go into that when you have the general archetype, the advanced warrior that sees, I got here by following this system. So therefore everyone else just needs to follow the system. That, oh, I like this warrior, all the fancy stuff he's doing for the opposing team. I want to bring him over to my team. But they also don't want to bring over all of the stuff or the baggage or the stuff that I bring with me that would blow up their system. They want the best of both worlds because they think, oh, I see all the magic he's created. I can pigeonhole him into my system and it will expand my system. It's like, no, I will expand your system, but you can't have the best of both. And so I think that's an interesting dynamic to talk about, uh, to just add on when we were talking about what is boredom and what we need mm -hmm. uh, as a magician. Yes, I'm an athlete, but I can't just go run a marathon. I'll get so bored. Ooh. I need a basketball because I'm curious to see what's going to happen when I shoot the ball. Is it going to go in? Is it not? I don't know. That keeps the magician entertained. Whereas the warrior, if you tell them, hey, go run a marathon, absolutely. I'll do they do. Because I can. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the warrior, the war the warrior sees other people needing to adapt and abide by the rules set forth. And any type of non-adaption or non-following of the rules uh, for them is uh, there's something wrong with you. It's threatening. <coughs> so there's something wrong with you, and um, you're you're not straight. You're not adapting to the system that is at hand, and this is the way things go. And you haven't earned the right to question. Yeah. For the magician, it's like I was born to question. I didn't earn yeah. the right. You, you need to earn the right to question. I don't need to fucking earn the right. I'm just going to question anyway. I don't. I don't believe in your system. I don't believe in who's who, and I don't believe who's on top and who's sitting at the bottom. I just don't believe in any of it. Well, that's the most yeah. challenging part yeah. in the relationship. Is that very thing? Yeah, expanding on it, Chris. You know firsthand more than we do. Well, just we I've had so many conversations about that very thing because uh, my husband Trent will say, well, this is just this is how it's done and this is why it's done and it is very uh, linear and my brain doesn't work that way and I'll say, well, there's another way to do it and it can't be that simple. And so we go back and forth so much and the frustration comes in with the warrior that I'm asking too many questions. And why can't you just see that this is what it is? Well, they're it's not plain. flexible. They're not flexible. And I can't either. see that. Yeah. And it's not even, 
I can't even comprehend that it's one way because it isn't, but in his brain it is. So it's, the warrior is pretty clear on, on their why of it is one way. Mm. Where the magician, for me, it's not even, I really can't even grasp that, mm. which creates for a little conflict. Well, their, their energy moves in that direction. There's, there's a right, there's a wrong. There's a right, yeah. there's a wrong. There's a right, there's a wrong. There's a right, there's a wrong. There's a right, there's a wrong. And the magician's sitting there going, boring, boring. Exactly. Boring. 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 Yeah. <laughs> and I think and that... the warrior looks back at the magician. Sorry, Lance. And the warrior no, looks back at the magician and says, you're not straight. Right. Yeah. Sorry, Lance. Right. And thank God we're not. Uh, I th but I think it's important, you know, we, we're fully acknowledging parts of ourselves that is quirky and we like, but I fully acknowledge how that is infuriating to other people, mm -hmm. oh, just absolutely. as the lover is infuriating to me in many ways, and how the warrior can be infuriating when they get so entrenched in an idea and they won't budge, and they are unable to have an imagination to see something bigger than what's already been done. So what I hate is like, you know, when you're, there's lots of warriors that work in the banks and they want to say, okay, well, what is your model basing this vision off of? Who has done this before? I'm like, okay, who came up with the idea of even mortgaging homes? I mean, someone had to come up with an idea first, but then the warrior gets entrenched as though this is as far as we're ever going to evolve rather than allowing for more creative ideas to come through. And so that's where magician definitely gets frustrated, especially now in modern capitalism, where people are trying to hold on to a status quo of this is the way finance works. And um, all of this is stock market and everything. But magician looks at the stock market and says, this is just gambling. It's just people saying how much it is and hoping they make a good bet, but they're acting like they know. And someone got really lucky, but then they're positioning themselves as an expert, but we know next year they could lose all their money. The magician sees the hollowness of it all. And therefore we see that all systems eventually fade. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where we threaten and scare a lot of people. Not because we're screaming anarchy from the top. We are saying it already is anarchy. Right. As much as we want to believe that we are in control, everything is chaos. There is no control. And we can be scared of it or else we can catch the wave and just ride it and have fun with it while trying to create beautiful things along the way that maybe have some positive impact for humanity just for a little bit of a time. We hope that is the case. Um, and I also just want to quickly add before I lose the thought, it came to my head. I love when Karen in the course said, Magicians also keep secrets. Mm. And I'm like, you know what? God damn it, you're right. And we keep secrets in relationships, not because, um, oh, we're trying to deceive somebody or manipulate them to exploit them. Yes, some shadow magicians do. Ooh. But it's more of... I don't think they even care or could even process the stuff that's going on inside my head. 
and then trying to articulate all the things I'm seeing, I've been married to someone that would laugh and say, well, why would anyone want to listen to you speak when I said I wanted to become a public speaker? And so when the magician is dreaming all these things in the head, trying to do it, one, I think we keep secrets because we also don't want people to say we're stupid or we're crazy and that can't be done because mm -hmm. it hurts. Um, it, it really is. I'm Christy. I can, I, I know you probably have felt that even if they haven't been as tangibly said that way, when there's always doubt around an idea, it becomes really tiring for the magician. And so therefore we do go inward and quote, we do keep secrets. And I would say that's why I go into a world of secrecy because again, people telling me, oh, when I first started dreaming that I could make the MBA with 80% hearing loss, they mm -hmm. laughed. So I just kept it to myself. And so when people would ask me, well, what are you trying to do? I wouldn't tell them, oh, I wanna make the MBA. I would just say, oh, I hope I can get a scholarship in college. So yeah, we do keep secrets, but that's something I just wanted to open up for you guys to discuss as well. Well, I think that's that's the warrior's that's the warrior's fear that something is being hidden from them. Um, in terms of Karen, Karen is a queen archetype, and she, um, the queen and king, always don't trust the magician. They want to use the magician for their needs, but they can't trust them if they don't see them. That's why they keep them on the grounds. They have to see them at all times. What are they doing? What are they up to? Who are they talking to? Keep them away from the warriors. Yeah. They rile up the warriors because then they tell them the system is not fair and you're being mistreated. <laughs> yes. So this is how... This is how chaos erupts with the magician because it's one, uh, one, one glass of beer or one glass of wine and they, then they start telling everybody how the system is rigged against them and how they're being manipulated and used. And that drives people uh, a little batty. Well, if you know all this, um, why don't you do something about it? And the, the, the idea of the magician is, is that these systems are in place is because everybody believes in them. And yeah. basically it's about the sense of belief. This is how systems are created. Lance, when you're talking about the market, the market is run by magicians, dark magicians who are playing with numbers, throwing different ideas out there, whatever people hold on to the idea. That sounds fun. We could chop yeah. one mortgage and sell it as several different more. Wow. Where that, that idea came from a magician, that, that idea, I can bet all my existence. That idea came from a magician. He or she were sitting there going, no, it's very easy to think about it. You know, a mortgage is kind of a representation of value, but it's not really a representation of value. It's a representation of what people value. So yeah. if we value the house in different ways, then we don't have to value it with one mortgage. We could value it in different pieces. And that way, this could be a more productive way of looking at it. Everything can be shared. You can own a piece of everything. 
these uh, these like magical images that are created on the they're called NSF or NFTs or yeah, whatever NFTs. the hell they are. Yeah, it's a magician. Magician goes, hey, we can just put any picture up there and say this is an NFT. Millions right. of dollars. And it's like everybody's like, it's like, where's the value in that? Oh, we create something out of nothing, and then everybody falls for it. Cryptocurrency. Same thing. Mm -hmm. Why should they own the banks? Why should they hold all the money? Don't you want to hold some money? And so everybody's like, hell yeah. Okay, we'll create our own money. It's invisible. Don't they mine gold? I'll let you mine on the internet. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like what they do is they twist everything and make you look at it and say, doesn't it look exactly like what you were thinking? You go into a cave, you dig at the walls, you get pieces of gold, then you put them, and then you get diamonds. Now, you could just go on the internet, buy very expensive computers, and mine, and then find these pieces and somehow build this invisible money with this invisible number on this invisible planet and become very, very rich. There are people who are getting very, very rich off cryptocurrency, but it's not the people who are buying it. There are people and they're magicians. The person who started Bitcoin, magician. You don't hear That's about quite it. brilliant. You don't see them. You don't hear about mm -hmm. them. They don't talk. They're not in public. They disappear. Once they make their fortune, you can't even know who they were or where they live or who their kids are. They don't exist anymore. They vanish. And all these ideas, there are people behind them who vanish. And you go, who came up with that? I don't know. That has some of the myth and you alluded to it. Oh. A lot of people say, oh, it's so clandestine, then they must know something we don't. And so that's part of the alert. Hmm. They get warriors to sell it. They yeah. get kings and queens to stamp it with approval. Right. And they get lovers to seek it out in other people. How much money do you have? Yeah, they get lovers to so uh, like honeypot it. Yeah, it's like a circle. Everybody's kind of pushing and and it's all it's a game between them. It is a game, and that's what the magician sees. And that's what they play. Right. That's always the play. The play is always the same. You know. You never, the, what's interesting is you never know um, about um, what they're up to. And that's what the warrior hates. Like it would be, because the magician could be just fucking with you. He doesn't, they don't care. They could just be like, oh, yeah, I made a couple of million, but you know, it was just fun. And not really like, oh, I wanted to make a fortune or no, that's that's king and queen thinking. Right. They like to play games. They like to accumulate power. They, they There is this shadow side of the magician. They like to um, 
holds people attention. They like to uh, put a spell on a group and make them think in a certain way and then make the other group antagonistic towards this group. And then tell this group that it's because of the other group that the problem exists. Yeah. Creating more chaos. Well, yeah, this is chaos, right? Yeah. It's like I'm bored. This is bullshit. We keep going through it. Century after century, we go through it. Screw it. Let's start again. They're the ones who say, let's tear it all up and start again. Let's build a printing press. Every magician yeah. in the world. No, no king or queen says, let's tear it up and start again. There is no monarch out there who says, this system doesn't work. We should start again. No, the system is the system. Doesn't matter if they redefine the system. It's a system. You build from the system. Yes. The longer um, you respect that why... the system, the lover well, the... cheat the system, the yeah. magician question the system. All important aspects. Ooh. Yeah, and this is where the energy clashes mm -hmm. with the magician. Yeah, Go on, Lance. I want to quickly tap in before we come up on our hour. We've talked about dynamic with the lover and dynamic with the warrior in regards to the magician. But talk quickly about the dynamic with the king. That I think where the magician, we've all felt exploited by a king or a queen. That they want us to come in and give them some of our magic, some of our insight. And we think this means, oh, wow, they're finally going to give me the resources that I need to do the things I want to mm -hmm. do. But it's no, I'm going There's to- There's not enough resources for the magician. You know that. That's true. <laughs> but it's also, I'm going to keep you under my thumb now. Keep you under my thumb and yeah. have you do my bidding. And that's where, um, especially my family line, and my father, but also me in the basketball arenas where I would encounter team owners and again, um, warriors, coaches who were trying to pose as kings, but weren't really kings, but they want you under their thumb. And you think, oh, this is going to be a wonderful, I finally have somewhere where my values and my skills are truly appreciated. Um, and they are until they feel like they've oozed everything out of you, but then they don't need you. They don't want to give you the reins to expand further. That is something I have experienced with kings and queens. Not all of them, but I want to get your two cents on that. Ooh. Well, it's a love-hate relationship, right? Yeah. We want we want to feel, we want to be, we want to sit on the throne. But we can't tolerate just sitting on the throne. We have to do shit. Mm. So we are not made to sit on the throne. This is one of the reasons that um, when you have um, dark magic, what you have is that you, it's, it's a magic that wants to dominate. This wants to control. It wants to um, dislocate royalty. On the one hand, so the magicians always have on the one hand. On the one hand, we agree with this dislocation, but who's going to take over? <laughs> so magicians don't trust each other to take over. <laughs> That's why wow. we need to find a king or queen. This is, uh, this is the myth of um, Excalibur, right? 
the myth is that Merlin has to make sure the rightful king gets Excalibur and create the kingdom because um, the magicians who would try to rule are not going to be friendly. They're going to be destructive. And so on the one hand, um, Lance, um, they do, they, they never trust the magician because of what Karen said. They keep seeking. Yeah. They can't be trusted. They're going to cause chaos. You can't leave them alone. You keep an eye on them. What are they up to? They used to say this. I was like growing up. They were like, what is Lahab up to? <laughs> It's like I was like stirring a magical pot. What is love up to? I'm just sitting here. <laughs> no, you're not. You're not sitting there. I'm like, okay. Um, so they're always asking, what is the magician up to? What is Christy up to? What is Lance up to? Um, and then the other aspect is of what you experienced, Christy, is like, um, am I crazy? Or they probably think I'm crazy. Well, they all think we're crazy. Well, I've yeah, I've asked crazy. myself that many times. We've been called crazy. I've been called crazy, out of control, um, uh, shit kicker. Naive. Uh, my, huh? Naive. Yeah, all kinds naive. of Naive. Yeah, yeah. Gullible. Naive. We'll, we'll, we'll take any sad story. Like I stopped the other day. I saw this vet. Now, he wasn't dressed like a vet, but he was homeless. I sensed he was a vet. I sensed he was in despair. And I had gone to this French bakery and had bought two sandwiches. And I was like, you're a fat pig. Give him a sandwich. <laughs> so I stopped the car and I gave him one of the sandwiches. I said, you know, this is, this is, the, this is the best sandwich in town. I didn't know what else to say. Um, and I gave him like, couple of bucks 10 bucks or something anyway um there is a genuine there's a genuine connection with the downtrodden that is also part of the magician yeah. mm. to that they they were empathic towards those who believe they have no power or have lost their power mm. yeah and so what the magician believes is that, that no one has a right to control or hoard power. Power is the universe and the universe empowers us all. So that's one of the things I think is a really, um, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Lance and Christia. Yeah, I mean, well, you summed it up. I'm glad you said that because that's so much of what my messaging is with the keynotes, the books I write, and that people think I'm going. I always gonna, I'm going to come in and reinforce the system and rob the troops to buy further yeah. into the system. Yeah. When I'm actually saying, hey, you know what? I'll say it in a nice way, but if you learn to be leaders of your own life and redefine your own metrics of success, and you move out of attachment-based outcomes. You're then able to become bulletproof, which makes you a better employee. So everyone feels safe when I say that. But um, yeah. instead of getting them to sell more of their souls, I get them to move into self-actualization. Yes. Ooh. Yeah. 
and I see that very thing in, in my practice. Um, what I do well is help people see where they're having power leaks, Ooh. whether that's physically or emotionally, um, because that's the gift of the magician is seeing what isn't there Ooh. in that. I don't even have to language that in that dimension. That's um, that they think there's only so much when really it's, it's so much more vast than they have any idea that's contributing to them losing power and helping people find that access point that they then can take charge of who they are and how they walk in the world is a beautiful gift of the magician. And that is one thing that um, I absolutely love that aspect of magician because it helps people be empowered again and not um, be under the spells of others or under the spell of their own trauma or what happened to them as a child, that they actually can do something different that they couldn't see. And I think this is where you're getting at, Christy, where you, what I'm seeing as you speak is the marriage between the magician and the prophet. Most prophets are magicians. When, no, when Moses crosses the Dead Sea, um, parts it for the people to cross through, you liberate them from the system. Yeah. Um, that very much is what a magician, the empowered magician, the light magician does. This frees people from uh, oppression. Mm. Well, Jesus, yeah. uh, Jesus turns, uh, raises water. the dead, turns water into wine. Muhammad, um, the prophet Muhammad, uh, learns to to read um when he has never read um he is able to he is able to attract people that have for um have basically divorced themselves from the idea of a um a single power he he led them out in fantastical form they didn't know who he was or how he came about he just was there and i think that's the idea of the magician madame curie was just there she saw something nobody else saw mm -hmm. they always see something nobody else sees they always know something that nobody else knows and it's not because they don't know because nobody's giving them like access to a book or something. It's because of what you said, Christy. I think it was beautifully said. They see that part that's missing. They look at something and say, okay, something is missing. What's missing here? Mm -hmm. what, what completes this picture? What heals this person? How yeah. can I um, get this person's uh, true self um get them back in touch with their true self uh, i think Lance put it as how can i get them to self-actualize how can i we're just using the same different terms for the same processes mm -hmm. which is becoming conscious being embodying your power and holding true to self and then those damn lovers start worshiping the golden calf yes yeah, yeah, because they know that they could sell it at the open market later. When, when, yeah. they, when, when they need a divorce, they could say, okay, I'm taking the calf with me. This is my share. 
So they bring in a lot more play. Well, yeah, it would be boring without lovers. It would yeah. be stale. Magici uh, magicians would uh, would use the warriors and turn on the kings and queens. There would be war between the magicians. The the, the lovers are necessary to um, to draw attention away from the tension and irritation between the other archetypal forces. That's why um, Eros is, is their God. That's why Eros is the archetype. That's why Eros is what moves them in existence. They're moved by the energy and flow of love. And it doesn't matter what it is. They sense it, they know it, um, and they move with it. So to all of our lover archetypes out there, we've, we have been very hard on you today in our broadcast. We actually are not, um, not that, we are not that uh, angry or upset or maybe Lance's. Uh, I think we're, I'm actually at a point where we're laughing at ourselves. Well, yeah, of course. And how we have been triggered and activated by the lover archetype. Absolutely. But again, the lover archetype, thanks to you, you continue to teach us more about ourselves. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, namaste, lovers out there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And then there is the... Uh, there is nobility. There is the king and queen archetype. The archetypes we love to hate. So um, the, king, uh, the king and queen archetype or the nobility archetype is uh, the archetype of order. Mm -hmm. So this is why they are our shadow. Because we have, we have nothing that says order. We are completely yeah. out of order. We are completely chaotic. We, um, you know, we're we're the people who are standing aside. Go, ah, the fire is not high enough. You know, throw some more wood in there <laughs> just to see how high it could go. Um, so I, I, I think Lance. I think um, the betrayal of nobility is present in today's society it's caused a um caused conflict it's caused yeah. a schism in society because of the hoarding yeah, of that, that's resources the that's the pattern yeah yeah that the the monarchs and nobility they hoard until they reach a, a tipping point and revolution happens and then yeah. once again but that's the thing is why can't everyone, when we start from the scratch, figure out how to equally distribute the wealth, generationally speaking, again, as archetypal strengths, archetypal patterns. Um, magicians and nobility know how to build generational wealth just mm -hmm. by genetic programming, archetypally speaking, alone. And so that's why when they say, oh, well, if we all had the same starting spot, we'd all be able to be millionaires. And magician says, no, that's not, not true. Possible. Not yeah. true at all. I, I very much want to believe in socialism and everyone has a, no one has the same work ethic or the same mm -hmm. values. So therefore it can't work. 
but the magician also says we don't abuse and exploit people though uh, a light magician says that we still treat people and give them a healthy living give them dignity uh, and all those things we don't completely yeah again slave labor that's not okay whereas the corrupt tyrants are like yeah I'll do whatever I need to do to keep solidifying my power until mm. eventually we come to a precipice like we're at now, like we had the antitrust Teddy Roosevelt administration 100 years ago. We're now coming into that same cycle again mm. where, all right, where magicians are going to blow it up. And so you have some magicians who, through crypto, are trying to do stuff like Correct. that. Not, not every magician in crypto is a dark magician. No, There are some that are dreamers trying to actually redistribute wealth and decentralized power. Um, the problem is, is you have too many other lovers and other dark magicians who are just deceiving and exploiting to, again, steal money from their own. But again, they won't use it generationally. They're going to spend it on their Lamborghinis and blow all their money. But that's the king and the queen don't do that. That's why they build generational wealth. Ooh. Mm. Yeah. They think they think in those terms. Yeah. They, they think, think of, in, the, yeah. in terms of what do I have? How do I distribute it? What, how do I my legacy. make sure? What is my legacy? How do I have yeah. a name? What is there to leave? They're, they're the ones who put their names on benches. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So if you see a name on a bench or a name on a piece of rock, beneath you here in, uh, in Pike Street's market, um, you could buy a stone, you can donate, it's not buying, but you donate for the market and then they'll put your name on one of the stones and the stones are a tile in the mosaic of the floor. So you have all these names, which makes no sense to me. But anyway, they have a bunch of names on the floor that you're stepping on all the time. But that's that's how the archetypal energy works that's the way so most of those names are either lovers or um, kings and queens mostly this is nobility they like to leave their name their mark their brand on the world this is why um this is why the uh king uh, the the monarchy in England has lasted so long. Yeah. Now, they found every single way to um, keep power, yep. even though people didn't want them. Yeah, no, the hats off, that's why the monarchy of Britain is the most fascinating one. Yeah. They had the most long-term thinking of legacy. Yeah. How can we give an inch, but not lose everything? Everything. And most monarchies are unable to do that. Well, yeah, greed, greed is greed is the major is the major component that causes destruction. It's always the same component that causes destruction, and now we're on the precipice of more reformation because there's a lot of destruction going on. There's a lot of destruction going on in Europe and war. There's destruction of the planet. There's destruction, destruction, destruction. And the hoarding of the natural resources to the point yeah. where it's become an issue of life and death for people. It's like, well, how do I pay for food? 
you keep mm -hmm. raising prices like this, we cannot afford food. What are we going to do? We're going to sip water all day. They're even buying up water rights across the world right now. So the hedge funds and these um, funds for natural resources, they're basically buying up natural resources, hoarding them from people as the planet um, becomes less and less um, tolerant of the way humans have been acting on it and is killing them off because it can, it's not gonna sustain them anymore. We've, we've done everything possible to turn a very vibrant and uh, fruitful planet into something poisonous and problematic. And I to add with a closing thought, I think the magician archetype, maybe more than any archetype, is at peace with if we've worn out our welcome and the earth kills us all off. That's the way it is, and we brought it on ourselves. And most yeah. people are threatened by that, but I'm actually really at peace. Like, I'm not saying we give up, but the magician knows this isn't the only game board that we're playing on. No. This doesn't mean that we give or don't give our best, we do, but we also understand there are consequences to our actions. And if this is what happens to the human race, because we failed to moderate our greed, we were warned. We were warned yeah. for centuries and millennia. We were warned. And cautionary tales, we were warned. We were warned by native tribes, we were warned by seers, we were born by prophets, we were warned by leaders, we were born by um, people who lived in poverty. We've been warned over and over again. We've seen the writing in the sky yeah. about what's going to happen. Yeah. Anyway, not to end on a really sour or I'm okay ending on a sour note. Yeah, I know, me too. <laughs> but I just, I, I, I feel sometimes we could get really, really depressive and, and other people think we're really depressed and we're not depressed actually. We're enjoying this conversation <laughs> immensely. Christy, um, any thoughts? Yeah, I think with that, I do think with Magician Archetype, there's so many ways out of that if we're willing to be open to new ideas and new ways that we haven't experienced or seen before. Cause I think all that is coming in as well. Yeah. And um, it's a matter of being able to see it differently than we've ever experienced. And that's yeah. possible. Yeah. I, that's my I, thought. I really, I really like that thought. Lance? I, I am hopeful. I think it's important to talk about the realities of what's in front of us. Because if you don't accept what is, you cannot move. Mm -hmm. Denial keeps us stuck in a pattern. And so when people think we get all macabre with our discussions, it's like, no, it's a healthy thing to face reality. Then you can actually see the chessboard. If I'm exactly. refusing to see that your bishop is about to take up my queen, and I don't want to believe it's there. It's not like suddenly your bishop is going to take my queen. It's going to happen. But I can at least, if I dare to look at it, do some preventative measures to help keep me in the game. 
And so by talking about these things that are really coming up to our face, you then are able to say, okay, it's scary. Take a deep breath. Let's get to work and let's get clever and let's get creative to some new solution-oriented ideas. Yeah. And that is very much what the magician does. Mm-hmm. Uh, frankly, with some help with the lover sometimes. Um, uh, helping us um, move out of depression and into more positive thinking and all that. And so I actually remain very hopeful. Uh, I don't think we're going to because I do believe that humanity eventually always course corrects. But also um, Mother Earth, uh, she will, you know, she has a fever right now. She's going to kill some of us off um, to protect herself. But I think if we have humility, as the gods warned us, um, we'll continue to evolve. And I remain very optimistic about it. I also think Hmm. that we are that what we are seeing is an awakening of um, the magician energy to bring balance back. I think the awakening of the archetypes is is necessary to bring balance back into the world we live in. We have to start talking about why we're moving the way we are and why we're in conflict all the time. I think that was part of our uh, discussion today was why are we in conflict? Why do we get into these arguments? What are our points of view about the other archetypes and how do all these things fit together and how do they work in the world? So um, I will support Lance in the idea that I believe there's hope. I always believe that there's hope because <clears throat> I believe there, there's a cosmic balance yeah. and it will reassert itself. Um, we'd be foolish to think um, that we uh, we control the balance. We don't. It looks like we do, but we don't. We don't control the balance. The balance is definitely going to shift towards something else. Something is going to come and shift the balance. It's done it over and over again through the centuries. We've seen it over and over again where we were on the brink of uh, annihilation on this planet. Um, certain ideas prevailed, certain um, people prevailed in thinking about how we can live as one world. I think we've spun out of control again and we're living as Mm -hmm. separate tribal communities again, which seems archaic at this point in time identifying with the color of your hair or your eyes or your skin to Mm -hmm. live in a community is, well, it goes against science and genetics, but you know, it's insane. But if that's where we are, then we're gonna have to fight our way out of it because we can't go back to um, living as primitive tribes where Uh, another person is looked upon as dangerous. Uh, We, I thought we had moved away from that type of thinking. Now we move back to that kind Mm -hmm. of ridiculous thinking. So um, I think it's important for us to keep our message and our clarity about our message. And I think the reason we talk about the 
the problems, I think, about the, the chaos and the darkness that's coming is because it's on our radar. It keeps yeah. coming up. It's in our face. It keeps coming towards us. It's calling us out. It's telling us. You don't have to be a magician to know that. Um, we're on the brink. There's a war going on that could lead into all kinds of, um, it could twirl out of control in a very, very, very short period of time. It could twirl out of control. Um, but there is something that's keeping the lid on this toilet. And we could tell because the war hasn't spun out of control. Even right. though every possibility is there for it to spin out of control. If this was an experiment in a classroom with high school students, um, something would have, the class would have caught on fire by now. It hasn't. So something is holding things together. And that's the cosmic balance. It'll push you to the edge and then it'll bring you back from the edge and say, oh, you know, yesterday I wanted to kill myself, but today I have uh, <laughs> an amazing idea. I think I will transform the world. Mm. I think that's the most comforting part to leave on this is no one really knows. Yeah. No matter what tribe or system you come from, we're human beings and moving forward. Hopefully we can all just start coming back to a place of connection and um, less polarity. Embrace and brothers and sisters, people. Embrace yeah. them. Um, I think I'll close with too is that the magician understands I don't, I'm not the one that generates the power. I'm simply a channel, a conduit. And so to say it's all hopeless is me saying the universe has given up Ooh. and the universe is no longer sending energy this way to hold the balance. Ooh. That's that's a that's a very that's hubris to say something like that. Mm -hmm. I don't get to decide. If I just show up archetypally in my lane, the universe will take care of the rest. Yep. So therefore, that allows me to not live in fear that I trust that what will be will be. So that's how I choose to look at it as I move into closing with you. Yeah. Well, I want to thank everybody for putting up with us today. We kind of went off on a, on our own tangent, but uh, I hope that everybody enjoyed the conversation. I think it's an important conversation uh, that we will keep having about. Um, what are what are the archetypes? How do they move in the world? How is it that these forces are the ones that are creating these situations? And um, as both Lance and Christy put it, we need to be more awake and aware of the forces that are moving us in the world. And how we fit into that because it makes our lives more meaningful to understand how the energies and the cosmos are moving in the world. It makes our experience of the world less um, existentially fatalistic than it needs to be. With that, I am Dr. Lahab El Samurai. This is Lance Allred. That is Christy Foster 
We are when destiny calls, we are the magician's call, and we bid you farewell. Thank you for uh, hanging out with us today. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in this episode of One Destiny Calls. We hope you enjoyed hearing from Lance, Christy, and Dr. Samurai. You can also find us on YouTube at Institute for Conflict. Make sure to also check out the JAMP Training Institute's Magician's Call podcast. Tuning in next time to the IFC's One Destiny Calls podcast for another episode soon.